And so once again, I found this other new little side passion and just started diving into it again and studying it. And thankfully I had people like Sean that were absolute pros in front of me to like demonstrate, but this might be the longest answer you've ever gotten. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. But, it, but it was like, it wasn't this crazy linear path. It was like this weird zigzagging. Um, I find something I like here and then I circle back and I find something I like here. And then suddenly I get, you know, eight to nine turns down the road and I have this opportunity to mash all of those things together. Um, and it becomes this kind of like, I'm very grateful for it. And what I can say now is this kind of beautiful mosaic of things that I've picked up along the way. And I genuinely love. So, <laughs> um, hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale CrossFitter. My friends, Amy Radowski, Charlie Odie and I, we love the sport of CrossFit. We are 40 plus masters athletes who just love to watch the sport and want to let you know what's going on all the way from the open to the sanctionals to the CrossFit games. We also want to give you interviews with athletes, human interest stories, and things that will help you in your daily grind uh, as a CrossFit athlete. We also want to share our own struggles through our workouts, our nutrition plans, all the way to getting healthy and fit uh, for our family and friends. If you like what you hear, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and please consider giving us a five-star rating. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Hey everyone, welcome to the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I am the Clydesdale CrossFitter and I'm your host. Uh, this week we have a special treat. Uh, Tommy Marquez actually sat down with us a couple days ago and did a, a really nice long interview um, and we touched on a variety of subjects. So this week we're just going to let his interview kind of be the podcast um, and we're going to hold off on our training weeks and the best thing we saw on the internet and all the other news that's going on in CrossFit uh, until next time. So with that, enjoy this interview and I'll chat with you at the end. Hey, Tommy, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, guys? We're we, great. We're awesome. We just finished a workout. Amy just coached a class. Two uh, classes. Ooh. Thank you. So we're, uh, we're feeling pretty good. Um, so, nice. So just so our listeners know, this is Tommy Marquez. Um, when we tried to arrange this, he sent me his itinerary. And I'm not sure, like, the president has as much trips or as many trips as you did. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'll take that as a compliment um, in, in that, that I'm staying busy. But, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, trying to make the most of the opportunities and make hay while the sun shines uh, this year for sure. Yeah, you've gone to some really cool places like Norway. And I know you have uh, Germany on tap. Yep. I loved yeah. your your photos from Norway. Those were amazing. Oh, <laughs> thanks. They were. It was. Uh, it was one of those places where, like, I I may, maybe you can chalk this up to me being kind of a, and I guess an ignorant American that's kind of caught up in being a California boy for life. But I showed <laughs> up and had no, no idea what to expect and was completely blown away by the, the beauty and the general atmosphere of the country. Um, it was fantastic and I was completely caught off guard and um, immediately made me a fan. And I, it's like on my short list of places I want to go back to and, and bring my fiance to. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would, it would be ignorant of me not to ask about Wadapalooza since you were just there a couple of days ago. Um, sure. What, what, what was it like to be there live? We, we watched on the stream um, the whole weekend and it looked amazing, mm -hmm. but it looked like it would be much better to be there in person. If there is one event that I would say is on the absolute must on a, cro a CrossFitter's list to go to, I would say it's Wadapalooza. Um, potentially even more so than the games. Um, typically, I would, the games would have it hands down, but uh, something about, I think, the tension of competition uh, makes it a little bit more guarded as far as the athletes are concerned. Um, at Wadapalooza, not only it, it's it's a very community-driven event. Um, it's in a, a location that's second to none, uh, right there at the Bayfront Park on the waterfront in Miami. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Madison is awesome, and they've rolled out the red carpet, and I am stoked that it's there. Um, but just Miami has a different vibe to it, and um, it has a very vacationy feel 
athletes are a little bit more relaxed walking around um all the all the brands you would want to see and get cool gear from is there um and then something about uh being there for waterpalooza miami makes it okay to wear whatever kind of ridiculous <laughs> outfit you right want, which which is like a huge plus in my book you can just throw all the bright colors and confetti print and whatever whatever it is you want um and and it just it feels it has all the 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 great benefits of being a massive event while still kind of maintaining the heart and soul of being an event that was uh, community driven and community oriented you know from the its start in like a local gym and, and doing all the right steps to grow it to that point as well. So um, I I can't get enough of it. I will, it's one it's an event that will always be circled on my calendar going forward. Um, and, and I I I come back exhausted, but at the same time my cup is absolutely overflowing. You know when I get back as well. So it's a it's a beautiful beautiful mixture. Oh, well, and I have to say, you know, also just kind of watching the stream, even though we're here in gray Ohio, that it, it kind of brings, you know, the sun to, to our lives during this time of the year. But it, it's just such a, a – you can tell just from even watching the live stream how amazing the energy is there. Um, and, and one of the things we were talking about is I loved the, you know – when they were doing one of the wads where it was, you know, the bright lights and it, while it was a little bit hard to kind of watch on this, on the live stream, I was like, I can mm-hmm. totally imagine what it's like to be there. And it's, you know, almost like a nightclub down in South beach. And, um, mm-hmm. that was just really cool. And the other thing I loved, love about Wadapalooza is that there's so many different, um, levels competing. You know, of course we're, we're always talking about the elite, but I love that there's the adaptive athletes, um, you know, the scaled, the beginners and intermediate. And I think that's why it's such a great community event as well. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, it, it's to touch on a few of the things you said there. One um, being like the atmosphere. I don't fault you for it being difficult. I had a, I, call, I had the, the benefit of getting to call two of the events Saturday night and Sunday, uh, uh, Sunday evening, the two finales. I got to join uh, Bill and Brian on the broadcast and even then it was it was a little bit difficult because they were a little bit limited in the scope of what the type of coverage they're providing but even then the like the fact that it shines through even with those limitations I think is a testament to the atmosphere that they that they bring and not just that it's uh it's really kind of like this coming out type event for a lot of the athletes early on in the season and I think some of that is a carryover from um what water blues are represented in the past so I first started going to Waterpalooza f- four years ago um, to scout when I worked with headquarters because typically you would see a handful of dark horse athletes show up at Waterpalooza and use that as kind of their um, petri dish to see, hey, am I can I can I really hang with these type of athletes because of the depth of the field there? And you would usually see one to two dark horse athletes do particularly well and then translate that into a, a rookie campaign at the games. And so I started going and was immediately struck by the atmosphere. Um, and Loud and Live has done a great job of carrying that over and still keeping that vibe of, you know, this is a this is a, a platform for the athletes to really shine here. And that lends itself to a certain atmosphere that I think um, whether or not you're entirely focused on competition, whether you're not whether or not you're a Patrick Vellner or a Tia Toomey out there with a clear purpose in mind, there's a little bit of a celebratory aspect to it that um, that is kind of palpable when you're there on site. Um, and I think that's also emboldened by the second point you brought up is that if I'm not mistaken, I think there's 36 divisions to compete in at Wadapalooza this year. Um, that's amazing. I mean, you, it doesn't matter where you are and who you are and where you fall in the fitness spectrum, you can compete there. And I encourage people to compete there because, um, you get to compete on the same stages that everyone else is granted at different times, but in that same atmosphere. And it's, I mean, how many opportunities do you get to do that if you're a, you know, a, a beginner team of four or a scaled, you know, women team of three or teenage athletes, masters athletes, adaptive seated, adaptive standing, um, all of those things um, are just fantastic. And um, it's kind of a unique opportunity for everybody across the board. Well, you had actually mentioned um, glitter um like confetti, bright colors. So that leads me to um, your buddies, the Buttery Bros. And yes. <laughs> your competition in the gauntlet. 
First, uh, of, yep. first of all, are you recovered? Can you walk now? Um, so <laughs> barely. <laughs> uh, uh, yesterday was a little touch and go. Yesterday was my first day back at my home gym, and the lift, the lift uh, portion of our like our lift metcon for the day was a back squat, um, and I had to instead of going, you know, to our prescribed sets and sets and reps for percentages, I uh, politely just played around with an empty barbell and a 135 pound barbell because anything more than I felt like my hamstrings might pop. Um, and that was a result. That was a result of the, uh, the damage that I did to myself in the gauntlet trying to beat out my buddies. Like you said, the buttery bros. So I actually, I listened to your podcast first, um, before seeing their video where you were ripping on Marston for his box jump technique, box jump loosely. <laughs> But I want to yes. I want to say I, I want to touch on that just a little bit. That podcast was really, really well done. And I really appreciated the way that Rory and the, and the Buttery Bros and you were very open and honest about what the last um, 18 months has been like for you, especially the last year. Um, Thank you. You know, I, I hadn't heard that anywhere else. Um, and that was really cool to hear from you guys. Yeah. It, and it definitely felt like that we were I mean, I, I know it was very genuine. Like you could feel that it was, um, you know, an intimate moment of, you know, a group of friends sitting together discussing this past year, but you know, and it was just so raw. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done on. So and, and, I'm glad. It, yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, and go. And it shows like how, how true your friendship really is. Yeah. And, and I'm glad it came across that way. Cause it, it, I mean, you know, I can, I can, say as much as I want to that it was genuine but um, we want that to come across in, in the media that we do and the things that we do because um, so much of what we've done the last year in terms of being able to rebound and kind of recollect ourselves and rediscover ourselves has been as a result of the, the community really uplifting us. Um, we owe a lot to the people that were fans of us and were supporters of us and the things that we did when we were at HQ continuing to be fans and supporters even after that even when we didn't have the major brand or the big, the big label, the big company behind us. And um, a lot of people put a lot of faith in us and a lot of people put a lot of time and energy into helping us kind of sort through the, the difficulties that we went through the last month so, or the last year. So it felt only proper to be able to share that and what that, what like give that kind of inside look at least and that honest look about what that process was like for us. Um, if anything, as a, as a, as a thank you, you know, because we want them to feel like they, they know us and they can share in our amps and our, and our failures and things like that, because they're as much a part of that process as, as anything else. And, uh, um, I was glad that we were able to share that because Wadapalooza in particular, um, both from a date standpoint for Rory and then from an event standpoint, even though they changed the dates for me, Marston and Heber was very important for us. Um, and, you know, I, the you know the saying is you know I'm I'm gonna butcher the saying along the lines of you know if I stand tall it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants. Well, the giant has been the CrossFit community that we started working for in the first place, and ultimately had our backs when we needed it. You know, um, in the long run, and so I I was really stoked that we could get to do the, get together and do that, um, especially having some time to like separate ourselves from the initial impact of it, and particularly Marston. Um, I can't say enough how uh, happy and, and proud I am to be a part of his life because um, I firsthand witnessed him as a, as a human being and as a, as a man completely be stripped down to his bare bones and rebuild himself from, uh, from the ground up. And it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of heart to do that, and uh, it takes a lot of willingness to be vulnerable and be um, and seek help. And he did that, and uh, I, I, for one, am grateful to have been a part of it. But more importantly, I'm grateful to have witnessed that and uh, you know seen him rebound, and um, and then along the lines into the, in a smaller version, seen that from all of our friends and people that that were affected by that. And um, so it was it was it was a special it was a special moment for all of us. Well, and. Um... As a representative of the CrossFit community, you know, you, we stream you into our living rooms all the time. And so you, you start to feel like a part of our community as well. 
And yeah. And in our gym, we have our own, you know, we all have our own little crews that hang out yeah. together and, and do things together. And it's, and it was so cool and touching to see that on your level one to, for us to find out you guys were doing okay, you know, cause you've mm-hmm. been through a lot over the last year. Um, and to find out that, Hey, you're, you are standing tall again and things are going pretty well. Um, and just to know that, you know, we're just, we're just like you with our little crews here in our gym, um, supporting each other through our troubled times. Uh, one, I greatly appreciate that. So thank you. Uh, the second, it kind of, um, that makes me happy that, that, uh, cause that's how I'd be lying if I didn't say that was kind of the goal for the way we pre- present ourselves in our media and things like that. Um, I, I, this, this weekend, the past weekend in Miami in particular, a lot of people came up to me and said, um, int- introduced themselves for the first time and they kind of like laughed and, and I'm like, you know, what, what's the chocolate? But like, I feel like I know you, even though we're first meeting, uh, because I've like spent so much time listening and, um, and you know, and being a part of the things that you produce. And I said, that's good because if I'm being honest, you do know me. Like, um, like the, the person that I present myself there is a real, as, person. uh, yeah, as a real person. And I, I don't, and maybe this is just, this is just me. Um, and I grew up in the era of the, the, I guess the golden era of sports center anchors, the Stuart Scott's, the, the Kenny Maines, the Dan Patrick's of the world that, um, very much view a real look to them as humans and they weren't just these newscaster robots and they added bits of personality and who they were down to their core into the work that they did and so I that always resonated with me so when I had the opportunity to, to be a representative and um, I guess have a voice um, I wanted that I, I want I, I, I want people to know that the person that they're listening to the person that they trust to provide information the person that they're going to laugh with and joke around with and Ultimately, if it comes to it, you know, share some sadness with is going to be the person that they meet that they meet when we get to meet face to face. You know, it's uh, and that that's really important to us because authenticity goes a long way. Um, and that's something that I learned well before, the, uh, you know, being a representative CrossFit in the CrossFit gym, you know, whether it's authenticity with your rep counting and doing things the right way, like that pays dividends down the road. Um personally and for the community that you're a part of. So um, it makes me happy that you guys say that. Um, and it's something we definitely want to continue. And it's like, we share everything, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, whether it was our first, our first episode was basically a therapy therapy session right. of us talking about what happened. And it was like, you know, I've said this before on other, on, on other podcasts and other things like that. Like we recorded that episode multiple times. Now granted some of it, we had to pull back and, you know, cooler heads prevailed, but yeah. Um, that's something we really, really, really strive for because, uh, you know, like you said, we all have kind of this common thread of that. We're these crazy fitness nuts that like to go in and punish ourselves. <laughs> so, uh, if we already share that bond, then I figure we might as well share everything else. Well, and I think so. it did such a great job though. Also just illustrating, you know, the grit that you, you guys had individually as well as, you know, collectively, um, the grit it took, you know, to, to go through that year. And, and I think, you know, a lot of CrossFitters have grit, right? Or else we wouldn't be mm-hmm. doing CrossFit. But but it yeah. was just a great um, way of, of illustrating that. Um, uh, yeah. So speaking of this, this is your podcast, um, which you can listen to this episode on Talking Elite Fitness. So we just want to make sure we throw that out there because it was a great episode. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so just one more Wadapalooza question, because it was kind of the big sure. question coming in. Um, and we'll get a little less serious for a minute, just more about the, the CrossFit yeah. scene. Do you sure. think, do you think Sarah hit enough, landed enough blows this weekend um, to boost her confidence and to, to make a run at Tia at the games? Absolutely. Uh, I would say 100% unequivocally. She did. She did that um, both in, speaking to her briefly behind the scenes and seeing her reaction of being on the podium and getting to see how she carried herself through the weekend firsthand, um, you know, talking to her on the sidelines and back and forth, you could definitely see that she felt like uh, she belonged. And that has been a huge part of what held her back in the past. Um, It's very common. um, I will say, you know, not, not to name names or anything, but it's very common in this sport to see people deal with, uh, feelings of inadequacy or self-doubt and ultimately that kind of manifests itself in uh, if, if you're familiar with imposter syndrome um, I 
think a lot of these athletes, a lot of athletes go through that at times. And I've seen it pretty commonly in the CrossFit space because so much of it is like Instagram highlights and PR lifts that you see here and there. And, um, and everything's so curated that a lot of athletes that are behind the scenes grinding are seriously going through these cycles of doubt. And Sarah was, uh, one of those athletes. And, uh, I think the filthy 150 was the start of it. Dubai was a continuation of it. And I think ultimately, uh, Wadapalooza was a nail in the coffin in terms of her starting to fully invest and rebelieve in her capabilities. And maybe at to this point, just to be able to hang with Tia and, you know, outdo her in maybe one or two events. Obviously, Tia wins in the long run. Obviously, Tia is the fittest woman on the planet and has been for quite some time and will continue to be the, the queen of the sport. Um, but I think for Sarah, if she ever wants to uh, get, you know, a, a great a great example of this is like, you know, being able to actually contend with with Tia and potentially push her for the top spot is like step 14 is like step 14 in a 14 step process. Right. But she'll never get to step 14 if she doesn't first start taking steps one, two and three and believing in them wholeheartedly. I think so. That's what these last three competitions were from. They are going to allow her to take these steps further on down the line because she believes in herself now. Um, and so much so that I will say Sean Woodland texted me mid event on, on, uh, on Sunday morning and said, all right, you got me. Like I'm convinced. I think Sarah is back to where she needs to be. Cause he was skeptical. Um, and rightfully so. Um, and I was a little bit more optimistic and maybe that's our kind of one, two combo, you know, that balances <laughs> each other out. But he, what he saw and he watched the stream, um, was something different. And, um, I think she definitely did enough. I, I mean, you look at, and even going by the leaderboard, right? So this, the same women were uh, basically competing as last year, and she improved her spot, and she outdueled uh, Carrie Pierce, who has been the fittest woman in the United States the last few years. So just just by virtue of that alone, it's an improvement, and it shows that she's kind of on, on the right path. Yeah, she had a look about her and always seemed composed after every event uh, on mm -hmm. the stream. Uh, so I agree with you. But the way you you analyze that, I have to ask this question. How does a guy yeah. with a psychology degree end up broadcast in broadcasting and media? <laughs> um, I think I think it I think that the common thread, if there is one, is is an interest and investment in people, uh, if that makes any sense. Oh, sure. So I uh, um, I've been a lifelong athlete. I grew up. I mean, some of my earliest photos of me once I could actually do stuff is, you know, carrying a football and a baseball bat and sporting my favorite teams. So I've been a fan and I've been a lover of sports um, on all levels since I was young. Um, that curiosity in sports and physicalness, um, I, I pride myself in being the athlete and the type of person that like you give me a few goes at it and I can kind of pick up just about anything. I'm not gonna be the best, obviously, but like I can be serviceable. Um, and so I think that was kind of the groundwork for me taking an interest in CrossFit to begin with. But on top of that, I was always the guy like watching sports intently and um, and kind of like talking shop with all my buddies. I have some friends that are brilliant sports fans. I mean, they're diehard sports fans and they analyze things in a good way, um, you know, granted with their own little personal flair. So that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is I've always been invested in people. Um, I looked outwardly. I'm very fortunate. My parents instilled in me a a willingness and interest in helping others, um, particularly because um, one of the things that my dad always said is that we may not be rich with money, but we're rich with culture and with people and with support and all these other things that make someone happy. Um, and like I grew up in a small farm town in middle of California called Salinas. And there's a very distinct separation with the migrant farm community and stuff like that. And being three quarters Hispanic and, a and like I have some Western European in me, I was kind of like the hybrid kid there. And so I saw this difference and I always wanted to like, I don't know, help both sides, I guess. If that's, that's a weird way of putting it. And so I decided pretty early on that like whatever I wanted to do for a profession, I wanted to help other people. Um, um, I, I get like, like both of my parents have a tremendous amount of empathy for others. Uh, and I, I'm very fortunate to have gotten that cause I won't pretend like I cultured that myself. Um, but so in college I originally went to be, uh, uh, pre-med. 
So I wanted to study science and bio, specifically biology because um, I thought I wanted to help people through you know, the medical profession. And then I took a psych class and um, understood about, I took a psych class particularly about um, all the different things about the way the body and the mind work together. Um, and it, kind of, it was like this weird light bulb moment for me. And like, I went into the psycho, mental health profession for a few years after college. In the meantime, I was also taking a communications minor. So doing some sport, some like writing, some writing, some interpersonal communication, uh, as well as some, I took a sports journalism class too. Um, and those were all just kind of like little interests and hobbies of mine, um, that I think just kind of planted seeds that I didn't know would grow. And when I eventually got a little bit tired of the, the status of the mental health industry that I was particularly in, um, CrossFit was my, uh, my therapy, I guess. Um, I worked with school-age kids and, um, I worked with lower socioeconomic, uh, families that were part of build medical so it was all public funding and it was a nonprofit. So, um, I dealt with like the worst of the worst type situations. Like these kids were put through the ringer from a young age and I was trying to help rebuild them. And, um, I needed a, a therapeutic outlet for myself and that's what CrossFit was. And then, so I saw, I got an opportunity to start, start training people in CrossFit through my time at, uh, training at the CrossFit ranch. And when I made it, it took a t decision to take a break from mental health services, I, I saw the impact that I was having on people physically and as a result, mentally as well through the training. Um, and it kind of, it was another light bulb moment of like, here's this nice blend of me working on people's like mental faculties as well as, as well as their physical, it was like this holistic approach. And, uh, I just became obsessed with it. Um, my friends, my friends will tell you that like anytime I, uh, find something that I'm interested in. I completely nerd out on it and I just become obsessed with it. And that's, I think that's in my nature. I just call um, that hyper-focused. That's a more positive yeah, spin yeah. on there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, um, I, I started to, I started to dive into the sport and, um, I got an opportunity to work for headquarters because, um, some HQ people would come and train with us on the weekends, you know, at the ranch or, come by our box that I, that I was running as well. That was an offshoot of the ranch. And I would talk shop with them about the sport because I was just a big sports nerd to begin with. And here's this new passion of mine. So of course I'm going to dive into it. And I guess I impressed a few people about it. And, um, man, uh, I got an opportunity from Roy McKernan. He was the first person I talked to from headquarters that offered me a job, um, working for the regional media team. And, um, over time, I just kept saying yes to things. Honestly, it wasn't like this weird, weird magical moment, but I kept saying yes. And I kept studying this sport because I was genuinely interested and passionate about it. And, um, at some points, a few people took a chance on me, Sean being one of them and our producer, Charlie Doobie and Rory and, uh, our coordinating producer, Joe Novello from HQ back in the day. were like, dude, you keep pitching these ideas and this content and these stats and things like that as, as like this huge sports nerd why don't you just present it? And that was kind of another, another moment where I was just like, Oh yeah, maybe I can do this. And then, so once again, I found this other new little side passion and just started diving into it again and studying it. And thankfully I had people like Sean that were absolute pros in front of me to like demonstrate, but this might be the longest answer you've ever gotten. So <laughs> no, you know, you're fine. But it, but it was like, it wasn't this crazy linear path. It was like this weird zigzagging, um, I find something I like here and then I circle back and I find something I like here. And then suddenly I get, you know, eight to nine turns down the road and I have this opportunity to mash all of those things together. Um, and it becomes this kind of like, I'm very grateful for it. And what I can say now is this kind of beautiful mosaic of things that I've picked up along the way. And I, genuinely love so <laughs> um yeah i mean yeah. when as you're saying that you know it it does sound like it's it is the perfect blend you know having that passion for um the sports and for playing it yourself and for talking about it and and for having um this passion for wanting to help others and and passionate about relationships um and and human interest and i think that that's why you um, come across so genuine because when you are so passionate about something right you're not really working for it it's just it's just a part of who you are and i think that that's why it makes such such a great blend in in the position that you're in yeah well that makes me happy because i i'm going to keep doing it because i love it it drives me <laughs> 
it drives drives my fiance nuts a little bit sometimes because I nerd out on anything, whether it's Marvel or or football or CrossFit. I I find something and I I I could literally scour Wikipedia for hours. It's like my favorite website. I could scour Wikipedia and all these like fan sites and yeah, it's it's nuts. So I, I'm I'm glad I found something where I can actually apply it apply it in a in a positive manner <laughs> so you mentioned you worked out at the ranch are we talking the ranch yes um so i have uh that was my first gym my first box i uh 2000 end of 2000 beginning of 2009 so that's kind um, of a big deal yeah, <laughs> i got very I, I i very serendipitous i will say this i have been blessed with a lot of luck and good fortune along the way uh for no for you know by no virtue of my own but um my my best friend grew up across the highway from from the ranch in aromas uh aromas is about a 15 the ranch is about a uh 10 to 15 minute drive depending how fast you speed from my from where i grew up <laughs> in salinas and um funny enough there's actually a corridor there that was nicknamed the dangerous most dangerous stretch of highway in the united states for like maybe five to ten years um and then they put a, a center divider in there and it all went away. So, but, um, my, my best friend was like my, my gym partner, my workout buddy too. And we got done with, um, with college in 2008 and we started working out together and started our professional lives. And, um, I was working in mental health services at the time. And, um, you know, we, we did a cycle of P90X and thought, and thought we were just, we were it. We were like, we are, this is the peak of fitness right here. This guy, this weird guy on a DVD has told me that I'm just a badass. And so that's, that's what I am, you know, after we finished the cycle. And then my buddy was like, yo, my cousin just lost a hundred pounds doing this workout at this like shed across the highway from me in Aromas. And on the weekends I was driving out there to help out and work on, on his farm. It was the farm I grew up working on. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Like we'll pop over and do a workout. We'll try it out. And he goes, I got to warn you. It's like these crazy Mexican brothers that are like, just like put, and it turned out to be Castro, Dave Castro <laughs> and awesome. his older and his older brother, Kenny. Um, and he's like, and they're going to like crush us. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I show up to this, show up to the ranch and sure enough, they're putting a, a few people through a workout. And um, it was a, it was like it was like loose class time, so they did like a morning class and they did like an evening one around five. Um, and we show up, and Dave's older brother Kenny goes, "All right, well, uh, your warm up is that hill." And they're like, "What?" Oh. He's like, "Go run, it. go run it. You can run all the way up. You'll follow the trail. You'll come back down the face of this. Run it." I was like, "All right, sure, easy day." And about halfway up, I realized that I had gotten myself way over my head, and we come down. We do this workout and it finished with a seven, a 750 meter row. And I've always maintained that the heart, you'll never row harder than your first or first couple of times on the rower when it's like a max effort. Cause you just don't know, right. You're ignorant to how much it hurts. And so me and my buddy got on the rower for the final 750 at the same time and kind of looked at each other and like went full send. And I let go of the handle, fell out of my seat, feet still attached to the rower and was like on the verge of like puking and passing out. And I like, I kind of like get my wits about me and I'm still, I'm still clipped into the, to the rower. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And Kenny comes over, hands me a, a beer, a beer of Moretti, which was a, had sponsored the games in 2009. Uh, and sent pallets of beer that were left over. And he goes, it was CrossFit. Have a beer. This will make you feel better. <laughs> And I had a beer and it made me feel better. And I was like, this, this, this is, these are my people. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm home. I think I'm home. And I, and I never left. So, um, that's so crazy. Was, uh, that's so crazy. Yeah. Cause us, us outside of California and probably outside of aromas, look at the, the ranch is this like Oz that is impossible for us to ever reach. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you, and you actually, that was your home gym to start. That's a crazy. Yeah. I would, uh, I would drive, I would drive out every day after work, um, and on the weekends and work out. And then when I left my job, um, uh, I would go in the mornings, help train the class, uh, work out through the midday, hang out, 
work out again in the evening times. Um, and then eventually we decided we wanted to open up an affiliate in Salinas under the ranch umbrella. And we did that. And yeah, it's crazy. It's like, I hear that. And it's like, man, it's just like my second home, you know, like I spent so much time. I've taken naps up on the hillside of, you know, like <laughs> gone and set up, gone and set up targets for Dave to go shoot when he was still back in the Navy. And it was, uh, I don't know. It's just like a second home to me, which is cool. I'm very, very lucky. Uh, but it's, it's cool. And I, I would, I would encourage anyone to, if they're in California in the central coast of California, um, to go check it out because you, you can, you can go to the CrossFit Ranch website, CrossFitRanch.com and reach out and hit them up and go work out, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned you're a Marvel nerd, uh, and I yeah. am, I am as well. And so, ah, yes. <laughs> and so we, we've seen the trailer for the fittest and yes. you, you have a famous line that's, that's growing like wildfire, the Thanos snap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so for, for those of them, those people who aren't Marvel geeks, uh, Thanos is the person who snaps his fingers and, and half the Marvel universe disappears. Yep. yep. Um, half, half of all living beings. Yeah. And so you, you referenced that as when the layoffs occurred at CrossFit. Yes. And, and I, I don't want to rehash that because we kind of talked about it with your podcast and, and your crew. Sure. Um, but I want to look at the steps that, of recovery. How did, how did you and Sean come together after that moment to decide we want to keep doing what we're doing? Um, and then how did you meet up with Justin LaFranco to jump into the morning chalk up? Like what were the steps of recovery? Yeah. Um, so, uh, for me personally, it was still this kind of shock. Um, the, so I got, I got laid off October, October 15th, 2018. And, uh, I remember it was, it was very surreal because a couple months prior, and I mentioned this in the podcast, I, I actually, I, I mentioned it in the Loud and Live Sports podcast, which should be coming out soon. Uh, my brother got my brother worked for headquarters too, and um, uh, he got laid off a month before me. And I have a very strong relationship with my brother. He's one he's one of my best friends on the planet. But I I also at many times take I have I take a paternal role with him because we're nine years apart, and because I did a lot of things growing up that my dad did with me. And I felt like this, uh, to use a Marvel reference, I felt like Tony Stark watching Spider-Man turn into dust. Oh, that's a good one. Um, and <laughs> I, I, it was like, I felt like it was my job to protect the kid, you know, and I, I couldn't, and I felt heartbroken by it, but it also kind of changed what, what, what the environment work environment was for me. And the writing was kind of on the wall that things were changing for the worst and that if this job that I suddenly viewed as a lifelong journey for me, uh, with HQ and, you know, with CrossFit, uh, might not only not be lifelong, but it might not even be year long in 2018. And it turned out to be not even a month long. Um, but, uh, the initial thing was shock, right? Because, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think I've ever invested as much time, energy, sweat, you know, you name it, anything as, as I have the, the CrossFit in particular, whether that's as a, uh, someone that's physically training the methodology, whether that's someone that's coaching others in an affiliate level, whether that's trying to help the media team or someone that's trying to spread the message of the benefits of CrossFit methodology to as many people as possible, uh, for the purpose of affecting change. And, um, so to feel like, and this was totally misguided, by the way, this, what I'm about to say was a misguided feeling. So to feel like that entity, if you will, CrossFit was turning its back on me, um, hurt it. Like it felt like getting betrayed by a family member, you know? Um, so for the first couple, I would say for the probably first month, um, it, it, my stage of recovery was withdrawal, I think. Um, and I did that by, uh, turning around and a training more at the affiliate that I 
that I was very kind enough. I can't I can't give enough props to CrossFit West, uh, CrossFit West Santa Cruz, Daniel Daniel Johangard. The, he immediately reached out to us. We would train there when we weren't at headquarters on the weekends, and he reached out to me. He goes, "Hey, buddy, just come to the gym. Just don't worry about anything yet. We'll figure it out." The last thing I want you to work worry about it at this point in time is where you're going to exercise. And I said, like, shit, man, like, sorry, pardon my French, but, um, like, dude, that's, I, I really appreciate it. That was one thing that really helped, but I was still in like withdrawal phase. And, um, and so I started training, you know, kickboxing, jujitsu, all these other physical outlets to kind of mask and cover up what I was, what I was internally feeling emotionally. Um, and at the same time, my, uh, my fiance was in PT school. So, uh, long distance didn't necessarily have, uh, her right beside me, which is what I was hoping, but obviously what you want, um, which made it very difficult for her to, you know, provide the kind of support that she wanted to obviously, because she had a lot of things that she had to focus on. And I personally didn't want to put that burden on her. So. Uh, it took a little while, and then so I leaned on my friends uh, pretty heavily, uh, Marston and Heber particularly, um, because Sean wasn't laid off yet. Sean didn't. Sean's final day wasn't till December, so in that like month and a half, kind of forty-five day window, um, I've said this before. We just we just kind of just spent time around each other, you know, uh, kind of wallowed in our sorrows a little bit kind of sat there thinking about what our next move was going to be, listened to some good music in Marston's garage and worked out. And, um, eventually, um, through the messages of support and people, and this is where the community played a huge part of people reaching out and saying how a, sorry they were B, uh, hopeful they were that we would rebound and, um, optimistic they were about that. We would do something new that would be bigger and better. Um, kind of uplifted us out of that that shock and anger and into um, a better place. Um, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later in November, I got a text from Justin Franco. Um, me and Justin's relationship goes back to basically when Justin started the morning chocolate. Um, at the time, he's having a hard time breaking through and getting any information from headquarters. Um, if there's one thing I would change about how we ran things back in the day is that we kept everything so insulated information mm -hmm. and things like that. And so we were the single, so yeah, we were the single source of information and we kept things very close to the vest. And Justin was having a hard time getting just basic info to be able to, for the purpose of helping out CrossFit to spread that information. Right. Um, and so it's not like the information was confidential. It's just like you couldn't access, there was no way to find it. So Justin reached out to me, as kind of like a Hail Mary to like, hey, maybe he'll respond. And I responded to him and I was like, hey, man, yeah, I'd be happy to share it. Like, these are, this is what I know. This is what I'm allowed to tell you. And yeah, if you ever need it, have any other questions, reach out to me and I'll share what I can. You know, I see what you're doing and I'm, I'm, I know what you're trying to do. So, um, and so I was kind of a, a helpful source of information for him over the, over a couple of years. And then so when, um, when I got laid off, little did I know that would come back around. And he, uh, he, he reached out right away. He's like, Hey dude, I want you to come on our, come be a writer for us. Um, you've got a, you've got a good voice and I, I, I'm grateful for the way you helped me out. And I want you to be a part of the team and we can help each other both out now. And so that was a huge boost of confidence in terms of like, you know, in a time where I was pretty down, someone seeing, um, having confidence in, in me and the things that I did. So that started in November. So by that time that started to pull me out of my kind of grief cycle. Um, and so when December hit, Sean was done and I had already started gotten the wheels turning, you know, um, uh, and was planning on going to Dubai the first week of December. And I told Sean, when I get back from Dubai, man, let's, let's do something like, we, we got to do something like I I've already gone through this process of of me and Marcin Heber kind of wallowing in our sorrows. And then we got kind of pulled, got pulled out of it, you know, because they decided they want to do a docu-series. And I decided, like, I want to start keep covering the sport, maybe just do some more writing with the morning chalk up and start covering events live from a classic journalism perspective. And, uh, and I was like, we should do something, too, like 
the conversations we used to have, oh my gosh, and this is a huge impetus for it. The conversations we used to have behind the scenes at HQ, like at our production meetings, were world-class. <laughs> it was a beautiful mixture of information and personality and a little little uh, like rough around the edges type conversation sometimes, you know, as I can kind of get. But I was like, we got to encapsulate that somehow. And we've always wanted to do a podcast and it's pretty low, low, low budget and to do it well, why not? And he's like, you know what? Let me think about it. Like, let me, let me kind of get my, let me get sorted. Like it was the holiday time at that point. He's like, let me spend some time with my family. Um, you know, spend some time on the holidays with the people that I love, you know, everything like that. And when we came back, he's like, all right, let's do it. And then, so, you know, beginning of January, we pulled in all our friends and we started reaching out to people. And we're like, all right, this is how we do it. How do we figure it out? And I got to go in full nerd mode again, you know, and start looking up, you know, tech options and how to, how to record properly and how to do all those things. And, um, and, uh, that's basically how we, how we kind of got through it. And I, uh, I don't do well when I'm not busy. <laughs> so by the time I took off for Dubai, uh, my schedule started to fill up as you, and I, like I said earlier, I, I helped grieve a little bit through physical effort, you know, um, and by doing jujitsu and kickboxing and CrossFit and all those things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it, uh, it, by that, by that point in time, when I left for Dubai and came back, I was already ready. Like I felt like I was already pretty ready to, to move on and keep going forward. I still harbored some resentment, you know, and at times I still do, um, cause I'm only human. I'm only human. And, but I feel like, uh, uh, the presence of Marcin, Heber, Sean, and ultimately Rory, once things came down the pipe for him, um, were a huge benefit, huge, huge benefit. Um, so, yeah. So we, we had Sean on last week, um, and we, uh-huh. asked, we asked him what the future looks like for CrossFit. And, and you kind of mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that you're a little more positive. Um, Sean's a little more guarded. Um, and uh-huh. so I want to kind of get your opinion. Do you think – what do you think the future of CrossFit is? Do you think it's ready to flourish or do you think it's still going to be stunted by some things that are going on? Um, it's tough. Cause I don't, I think it's a multi-level uh, answer. Um, my, uh, my, my jujitsu instructor, the way he teaches us is he gives us, um, he, he, he's like, he, you know, you see those flow charts where it's like you get to a juncture and it's like yes or no. And then you move down the chart and it's like you get to another juncture. Yes or no. Move down the chart. And then eventually you get to a, an answer all the way down the line. Correct. So I've seen too many uh, of those in my work life. <laughs> yeah, that that I think that's that is where the CrossFit community is right now. I think there's a million different ways it can go. And it's really hard to put a finger on the on the pulse of exactly where it's going to go. But there's a few things that really stand out to me that I think ultimately are going to be what helps keep this afloat and help it be not just that, but help it flourish. I think there are some major, major players at the sanctional level, uh, Loud and Live being one of them, Rogue being another, um, and the, uh, a host of really genuine, really and really good at their core people that, that run these sanction events that are putting their heads and necks out for the sport um, in order to, you know, take a chance and, uh, uh, and bet on the sport long-term that takes a lot of balls and that takes a lot of, uh, I don't know, willingness to kind of jump without seeing your landing. And the fact that these many people, and when I kind of in my mind mentally pool all of those people together, I'm like, if this collection of people is willing to do this, then there, there has to be something good at the end of this, you know? Um, the second being is that I think the outpouring of media from a, like, I mean, you could say from the way the Marcin Heber, the buttery bros have, have, you know, kind of circled back the way morning chalk up is circled back the way, you know, Armin and Craig Ritchie and all of these people have kind of circled back and really kind of doubled down and are continuing to push forward in this. It's like, well, that's two big chips. You have, you know, people that are willing to invest financially and event-wise, you have people on the media side that are willing to invest and really pour their hearts in it and really like hit the grindstone for it. Um, that's two really big things. Now, like the only other things I'm looking at is, 
you know, some administrative things that, that can maybe tie up the sport in the community with some red tape and some, some political BS, which I think is the biggest obstacle right now. And I think that's I the think biggest you, fear. Yes. Um, and I, I've maintained in the past that I think everyone needs to be ready for the sport long-term to be successful, needs to be ready if called upon to get behind the next iteration of the sport without the CrossFit branded logo. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total. I, uh, it, because I was actually going to go with a follow-up question to kind of get you there to see if that's what you're yeah. meaning. Uh, but you, yeah. you came out and kind of said it. So yeah. Um, but I, but I, I would even walk that back a little bit now because I've seen enough people involved in it um, through two years where I think that it may not need to go that, that drastic. Um, I think the, the person right now, and I, he, likes, he, he likes to play, he likes to be a little bit more anonymous, but the person that's in the kind of sanctional liaison role between HQ and all the sanction events is fantastic. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine a more perfect person for that role. And he's been hitting the road and, and, you know, really being a, a, a voice from HQ that uh, the sanction events can talk to and rely on. So I think that's another piece that's crucial. And slowly, I think some of the pieces are starting to come back to life. Obviously, Castro is still involved. Um, some of the people that were behind uh, helping grow the games to what they were are still involved. Um, you know, and uh, and those people also doubled down for the CrossFit methodology, right? Like people forget Dave has such a huge part in the training department as well. You yeah. know, not just the, he's one of the directors of training, not just for the games. Uh, and so, you know, he's helped grow the level one seminar staff and, you know, the training department and all of those things. So I think the right people, uh, enough good people are still in place, enough of the good outlets in terms of media, in terms of, you know, equipment, in terms of events are still there. So I think it may be more of like a Rubik's cube type situation where it's just a matter of time where we get that right combination and all the colors go flush. Uh, and, and this thing takes off. Now, I, I, I don't know if that necessarily includes the same level of media and content covers that we saw in the past. I think that's going to take some finagling for us to get back on CBS regularly and, and get back on, you know, ESPN or things like that. I think it might take some collective efforts and people being more unified um, you know, because from a, I mean, from, if you want to, if you want to get into it from a media perspective, CBS and those kind of events, they want a guaranteed eight to 10 events that they can sell, you know, to advertisers and things like that. They don't just want a one-off sanctional here or a one-off sanctional there. Um, I think the sanctionals would, you know, be better at providing a unified front to be able to, you know, sell that kind of stuff to someone like uh, CBS. And we were very close last year with IMG. Uh, but ultimately that deal fell through soon. So I think it's going to take a little bit of reworking coming at it from a different angle. So um, maybe that's a little bit more optimistic than Sean. Um, <laughs> it's uh, probably, it's probably a little more optimistic. Yeah. Uh, but we, we want to, we want to end with on like a little more positive note. So Amy has one more sure. question for you. So yeah, I just want to know if you'll spill the tea on any of your uh, wedding plans. Oh, spill the tea. I like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I wish I had more to spill, <laughs> and that's only due to a lack of, of uh, planning on my part from being on the road. Um, Fair enough. But plan planning on getting married in Lake Tahoe, um, so uh, a nice mixture of the mountains, the open air, some water. Uh, Lake Tahoe is, a, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful places on earth. It's been a special place for... For me, for Tiff, we've had some wonderful times there, um, and it, and the goal and me and Tiff's uh, planning our wedding. She, we're very simple human beings. We take joy in the simple things of doing laundry together and making dinner together, and you know, going for a walk, like like really simple things. Because we didn't have them, we were long distance for three years. So she wanted it to our wedding to feel special in that. It wasn't in our hometown. It wasn't right close by to where we were. She wanted it to feel outside of the norm of something that we do regularly, um, but still have ties to us as a couple and what we like to do. And we've had some wonderful times in Tahoe. So Tahoe is kind of the perfect place. Um, and our guest of honor is uh, her great grandmother, who is oh, wow. 95. 
um, oh. still sharp as a tack and makes like a hundred loaves of pumpkin bread at Christmas time. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. She's, she's a firecracker and, you know, writes us cards and notes and all these things. She's fantastic. And so uh, she's in up in the Sacramento area. So it's closer to her um, and manageable for her to, to, to do the travel. So, yeah, so that the plan is us, uh, I'll say September in Lake Tahoe is the goal, is the plan right now. We have some walkthroughs for some venues next weekend. Um, so we're going to take a little weekend away to go up there and um, walk through a couple of venues. And we have some soft dates for each one of them. And then, and then eventually decide on which one we like. And then we'll then the save the dates will start coming. Um, and we're going to have a big wedding. So That's awesome. <laughs> we have big families. Well, September is a good month to get married in. I'm going to be celebrating oh. my 20 year anniversary uh, this September. So, oh, awesome! It's, it's do you mind? Do you mind me asking what date? Yes, September 9th. Okay, All which right. was perfect because we got engaged in '99 and then married yeah. in 2000. So nine nine zero zero. Oh, that's epic! Oh man, we were we were shooting originally for October 10th. Yeah. Because it's 10 10 2020. Yes. Um, but one of Tiff's classmates from physical therapy school, um, had that date locked down and had it locked down like a year, a year ago. And I didn't know that. And she basically already RSVP for us to go to that event. So, um, <laughs> it was a little tough, but, um, but yeah, so we're looking at September, looking at Lake Tahoe. Uh, our initial guest list was about 400 people. So. <laughs> oh, yikes. There, there goes uh, simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, but at the moment, based on who we think realistically will accept and actually come, we're you know we're back down to 250, so um, more back in the atmosphere, I guess, as far as being realistic. But um, so yeah, I'm excited. Well, congratulations. Uh, we look forward yeah. to. Uh, yeah, we're excited for you. Yeah, we're excited for you. Well, we want to. And, th- and I, oh, go ahead. And I know I'll get some. I know I'll have some great media around it, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you should have a good videographer there, at least. Exactly. Well, probably the best videographers are going to be in my wedding. So. Right. Oh, totally. uh, yeah. Yeah. But well, I, Go, I, GoPro. I mean, GoPro goes yeah, with the exactly. tux, right? I mean, I mean, there's nothing stopping from them shooting a Buttery Bros vlog, you know? So <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we want to thank you very much for, for joining us and taking some time out. I've seen your itinerary. You are super busy, and we really appreciate the time that you spent with us. Uh, hopefully we'll see you out on the road. I'm, I'm hoping to get to a couple sanctionals, um, granite games for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and then uh, we live right by rogue. So we'll be at oh, rogue. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, are... Sean will be there. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, thank you very much, Tommy. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Of course. Um, uh, uh, you know, great conversation and thank you. Thank you for, uh, the opportunity and I'm always happy to chat. All right, cool. Bye. All right, see you guys. Wow. So Tommy was uh, really open and honest during that interview and talked a lot about what him and his crew kind of went through over the last year to 16, 18 months. Um, and, you know, there, there were some dark times, but it looks like everybody has landed on their feet. Everybody's doing well. And we're so happy to see that. Uh, and we want to thank Tommy for taking out the time that he did uh, to spend with us. Um, and I just want to say from a personal standpoint, you know, we turned off the recorder and Tommy talked to us, uh, for a little while longer, uh, and just really helpful and, um, really, really just a good dude, man. So glad he did that. And I do want to share just one piece of news, uh, since the last time we recorded, and that is that Sean Woodland had a baby boy and we want to throw a shout out to him and his, and his family and his wife. Uh, and we're so happy for them that 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 happened and everything went well and all everybody's doing well. If you want to see pictures, check out uh, Sean Woodland's Instagram account. Uh, he has posted some pictures and looks tremendously happy. So we wish him well and are so glad for them. With that, thank you very much for joining us this week. And we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. We are available on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. 
please, if you liked what you just heard, hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends.